This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Matthew and chapter uh, number 27. I want to preach a message this evening I've entitled The Sway of the Multitude. Uh, I remember telling the story, but when I lived in India... I remember one day, very uh, definitively, as I was uh, uh, at the meat market, I was um, uh, uh, in India, the, the roads are very narrow, there's back roads, there's uh, all kinds of traffic going all different ways, and, and uh, uh, this one day I had parked on this road where I normally would always park when I'm getting uh, my meat, and uh, it, it does block the road, but it's not a road that's always used, and so... Uh, I parked my car there. I was just going to be quick, going to get my meat and get out. Uh, and uh, uh, in the process of waiting on that, uh, another car started to come, and they started honking their horn uh, for me to move my car. So I very happily went over there and uh, would move my car, and I get in my car uh, to uh, move my vehicle for this guy. And as soon as I get in the car, I, you know, by this point he's in front of me, and I, I'm going to back out and let him by. And right when I get to start my car, he starts honking the horn like right in my face. And he's like, ah, you know, just getting all crazy. And I'm like, man, dude, I'm, here I am. I'm trying to help you out. I'm going to move my car. It's just kind of the way that it works there. And so with this guy just laying on his horn, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I said, all right, man, if that's how you're going to be. And I just got right back out of my car, left my car there, and went and got back in line. Well, this guy got ticked off. And I did that, and so uh, you know he starts cussing at me and getting all crazy with me, and runs over to me and you know and tries to get in my face, and and he's you know right there and right in my chest, he's yelling at me, and I'm like, well, man, you know I was gonna move my car for you, but as soon as I got in the car, you started laying the horn. I said, now you can wait. You know, I'm not saying it's the best thing, but it was just one of those days. You know, I'm. Uh, and so make a long story short, this guy's yelling, he's cursing me, he wants to fight me, you know, it's just getting real crazy real fast. Uh, and in India, commotion or any kind of disruption causes a crowd. And so before you know it, within five minutes, I have a crowd all around me. And uh, this guy's yelling, and he's from that area, so he kind of ran a little deal of guys there. And so now these guys have come, and they're all threatening to to you know do things to me and all of this stuff and I'm starting to get a little nervous uh, in this whole deal because um, uh, in India there's uh, very real mob rules and mob can really turn things sour fast and so I'm there this crowd by now is 100 150 guys they're all yelling and I by this point they're speaking in Canada I don't understand a word that they're saying they're yelling at each other in their language and I kind of like what is going on and now I'm right in the center of this thing and it's about to get ugly fast so make a long story short I hear somebody yelling at the back of the crowd because by this time they're pressing in I'm thinking man it's going down right here and right now and I hear somebody yelling from the back of the crowd you know in the very back and and uh, I'm like 
you know, uh, what's going on now? Because uh, the crowd kind of like parts, you know, and now I see the guy and I knew him. It was the butcher, the guy I'm getting meat from. And he has his butcher's knife over his head and he's yelling something at Canada that's getting everybody's attention. I think it was the knife most of all. But he's yelling and, you know, and, and he's divided the crowd by this point. These guys are ready to beat me up and all of this stuff. And the butcher's got his big old butcher knife over his head and he's yelling. And finally, all of these people went away. And so after some time, I, I asked him, I said, well, I didn't understand what he said because he said in Connor, I said, what did you say? He says, well, this guy's my friend and anybody that has a problem with him has a problem with me. And so to make a long story short, I've always told the story and I said the moral of the story is be a friend of the butcher. But uh, to make a story applicable to what I'm going to preach tonight, what I want to talk about is how the crowd doesn't always get it right. That when crowds get excited, when you're in a group of people, it can get emotional, it can get stirred up, things can get crazy very fast, and not always when you're in the crowd, especially if you're in the wrong crowd, do things turn out as predicted. So let's look at one of these situations, a very, very emotional crowd that definitely got it wrong. Matthew chapter 27, verse 20. The Bible says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of it twain will you release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail, nothing, but rather that a tumult was made, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then they answered the people and said, His blood be upon us and upon our children. They then released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Father, I pray to not God that you would anoint your word. I'm asking you to speak to us, to help us tonight, God, to give us understanding and clarity from your word. We love you tonight. We're careful to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk first about what gets lost in the multitude or in the crowd. Now the gospel, the Bible, is an appeal not to the crowd. God's not looking to be popular tonight. God's not looking to be, you know, the, the coolest or, you know, the most popular of the year. God, when he gives us the gospel, the word of God, the Bible is meant to be an issue of an individual. It's not that God's addressing crowds. Uh, yes, there's a crowd here tonight. Yes, there's people here tonight. But the purpose of this message is not just to talk to a crowd, but to talk to you. This is what the gospel does. The gospel has a way of reaching individuals. See, compelling nature uh, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ is a personal invitation and to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. 
I want to tell you tonight that the gospel or the Bible is an appeal to individuals. Again, there's a big push in our world today to appeal to the multitudes. The more followers, the more subscribers, uh, the more, you know, whatever it may be, people to uh, enlarge your profile, the mindset and the thinking today, the bigger the crowd, the bigger the multitude, uh, the more people that are following you, the better. Yet I find it remarkably interesting that the appeal of the gospel is not to the crowd, but to the individual. Mark 16, 14, 15 rather, the Bible says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not to just uh, vague crowds, not just to, uh, you know, open platforms. Uh, you know, like I've always said, uh, you know, these uh, YouTubers or people that uh, have followings, they'll always say things like, I love all you guys. Yeah, I love you all, and they, they probably don't even know like 1% of their followers. They have no intimate relationship, no friendship, no, uh, I mean, never possibly even met them. Uh, and yet there's this, oh, I love you. And it's like all the followers, they feel like they belong to something. They feel like they're following someone, or they agree in certain things or certain interests. But there's no relationship. See, God doesn't want to be followed by the crowd. God wants your heart tonight. The gospel is meant to be personal. Jesus made it personal when he said, every person, it reveals God's design to reach individuals. It's great to be a part of a crowd. It's great to be here with other people tonight. But I'm telling you from personal experience, God has met me on a very personal level many, many times. See, several times in Scripture, you see Jesus singling one person out of the crowd. It would be like me pointing somebody out tonight and saying, okay, you stand to your feet, uh, and now everybody's looking at you. you know, we don't like that. That feels uncomfortable. That, you know, that's something we kind of shy away from. We want to be hiding in the crowd. We want to be mixed in with everybody else. We really don't want the spotlight put on us. What happens when God puts the spotlight on you? You may be here tonight. I'm not going to make anybody stand up right now and say, okay, you stand up, your turn. Let's see what God's going to speak to you. But I could be preaching tonight. I can be speaking from the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit can take these words and make them very personal and begin to deal with you about issues of your heart. See, the gospel is not filtered through government. The gospel is not filtered through a ruling class. The gospel is not to be filtered through our classrooms uh, or through, you know, our public institutions or even religious institutions. Uh, when Jesus came to the earth, uh, he didn't sit behind thrones in courtrooms uh, and high positions. Uh, Jesus came right down uh, to people's level, uh, right down to ordinary people just like you and I face to face engagements. It's very evident in the life and ministry of Jesus that the gospel was given to them directly from his lips. What I'm preaching tonight 
before you and to you. Uh, not only do I preach this from a context of a platform to individuals, uh, but this is meant to minister to your heart. It's meant to speak to you. It's meant to bring you to a very clear decision on how you stand and where your heart is with God tonight. So think about this. Here's Jesus' appeal to Pilate. Pilate was the governor. Pilate was the man in charge. And it's very clear in our story that when Jesus was talking to Pilate face to face, that Pilate was saying, Jesus is innocent. He didn't do these things that you guys are saying. He doesn't deserve to be crucified. He doesn't deserve this punishment that you're asking for. Uh, he asked them the question, what evil has he done? See, Pilate actually spoke to Jesus. Pilate didn't uh, you know, uh, offer Jesus over to be crucified because that's what he wanted. Uh, he did it because the crowd... He did it because the multitude was crying out for the blood of Jesus. Here's the crowd, and they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate's saying, whoa, wait a minute, guys. Uh, have you even talked to him? Do you really even know what's going on here? Do you, do you know who Jesus is? Uh, and here's all of these crowds and these people yelling, chanting for his blood. Let me ask you, have you taken somebody else's opinion about Jesus or a crowd mentality of Jesus when you don't know who he is? Have you dismissed Jesus tonight because of a crowd mentality? Have you heard what other people have said about God or what other people have said about church or what other people have said about what we like to term religion today and based upon public opinion or based upon the crowd, you just very easily dismiss Jesus? Well, let me tell you, when you get to know Jesus on a personal level, your mind begins to change. Things begin to, like, like Pilate, he's uh, talking to Jesus. Uh, he's, uh, you know, back and forth, and they're going back and forth. What is truth? Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You can read it, but, you know, he's talking, and Pilate uh, is very much uh, concerned, and he sees Jesus, and his mind is not the same as the crowd because Pilate was personal with Jesus, whereas the crowd was at a distance. Can I tell you tonight, the crowd doesn't always want the truth. When you find yourself, especially uh, in a wrong crowd, you're going to find uh, that crowds aren't always uh, wanting to do what's right. That crowds aren't concerned about truth. Crowds are not concerned about who's right and wrong. Uh, crowds become emotional. Crowds become confused. There's times when crowds can be even chaotic. Have you ever got yourself mixed in with the wrong crowd? Or maybe done things that later you would have thought, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have been involved. I wonder if any of these people that were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, when they actually saw the guards start to beat Jesus and blood started to flow, and then they watched when nails went through his hands and they did crucify him. I wonder if any of those people went home and said, why was I a part of that? Did I get it right? Or was I motivated and persuaded by a crowd 
And that's what I want you to consider tonight. And let's look secondly at the power of a crowd or a multitude. Now a multitude in the Bible simply means a great number or an abundance of people. Or a crowd that maybe you can't number, you can't count everyone. See, while Jesus is concerned for individuals, uh, you will often see that the world or the enemies of Jesus envied crowds and they wanted multitudes, they wanted followings. Just like today, we're seeing that the new way of thinking and what is uh, popular in our culture today is have a lot of people following you. Or that you need to be a part of a crowd. You need to belong to a, you know, and whatever it is. And what's so interesting is it's not that very uh, uh, personal. You know, social media and all, you know, you might have a lot of friends or a lot of network or whatever it may be. As I said, YouTubers and all the other, th- I don't know how it all works. Uh, but, you know, you'll say, you know, 10.1 million subscribers. And people are like, Wow. That's amazing, 10.1 million or whatever. But how, how are you? And then we're thinking, well, it's a crowd. It's a following. Uh, can I tell you, Jesus is not impressed uh, of having 10.1 million subscribers. He's caring about one person at a time. Verse 20, the Bible says, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So here are all these people in the crowd. They're mixed in with the wrong crowd. And a few of probably the leaders of the crowd were persuaded. I don't know what the persuasion was. I don't know if the chief scribes or the rulers persuaded him or bribed them with money. I don't know what the persuasion was. Maybe it was just words. Maybe it was just deception. But the Bible says that, that these small group uh, or a very elect group uh, went to the crowd and persuaded the crowd to carry out what they wanted them to do. These small group of men could not have Jesus crucified. They wanted Jesus crucified. It wasn't the crowd that initially was putting Jesus up on the block and saying we want Jesus. No, it was the it was this small group of rulers uh, and they knew that by themselves they had no power to have Jesus crucified. But if they could get the crowd, then the deed could be done. Can I just tell you, when you're aimlessly in the wrong crowd, you're carrying out somebody else's agenda that maybe you would not want to be a part of. There are things that happen. Uh, crowds are curious. Uh, you know, crowds can gather over a car wreck or a tragedy or, you know, it doesn't take much uh, because crowds often are, uh, exist because of people's curiosity. We even see that crowds gathered around Jesus. Some were friendly and others were ready to seize him. Some were ready to uh, acknowledge him. Matter of fact, this very crowd uh, that was yelling, crucify him, there were a multitude of those same people that just a few days before were saying, Hosanna in the highest. The same crowd. 
the same people flip-flop three days, you know, a few days earlier, they're, when Jesus is coming in on the donkey, uh, they're with their palms, uh, and they're laying him down and saying, Hosanna in the highest, uh, you know, we're, we're acknowledging him as a king, but they were easily persuaded and influenced. Uh, just a few days later, they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Have you ever seen that in the crowd? How the crowd just kind of mutates into whatever it wants to be at the time? Maybe it's uh, even uh, in culture and, you know, the crowd is always changing. What's popular today is no longer popular tomorrow. There's always change. There's always shit. And I'm telling you, when you're led by the crowd, uh, when you just basically do what everybody else is doing for the sake that everybody's doing it, you're not thinking for yourself. You know what motivates crowds? Power and money. At the end of the day. That's, that's, that's the motivation. The ruling class, the people that persuaded the crowd to cry out, to chant, to kill Jesus. Uh, they saw crowds, uh, they saw money, and they saw power. And this was their motivation. They envied the crowds. Jesus oftentimes would dismiss himself from the crowd. He would have all these people following him, all of these people thronging him, and he would dismiss himself, and he would go away. He would go somewhere else. But these others that wanted, and they wanted that crowd. They wanted those followers. They wanted those people coming to him like they were to Jesus. But see, Jesus had, and, and these ruling class had two different mentalities. Jesus had compassion on the crowds and these other ruling classes wanted to use the crowds. And this is the big difference as I would relate this to our lives. When you are given into a crowd or you just think on basis upon what everybody else is doing, I promise you there's somebody behind that motivating the crowd. Can I tell you fashion and trends today are motivated by a small group of people. I mean, uh, you know, uh, numbers of things in life that we say, oh, they're trending. This is big. Uh, this is great. Well, uh, you know, uh, do your homework. You'll find that there's a small group of people that are in control of large groups of people. See, how did Jesus see the crowd? Well, as I said, he saw them with compassion. Mark 6.34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw the multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. They lacked no leadership. They lacked no direction. Could easily be influenced for the good or for bad. Can I tell you tonight, uh, to follow Jesus is not just to be a subscriber. It's not just to be another one in the crowd that if you're to go missing that no one would know. Can I tell you, Jesus knows every one of his followers personally. You know, when you see 10 million subscribers or whatever, does the owner of that page really know when one of them goes missing? Or when one of them is hurting? Or when one of them is in crisis? Or one of them, they have no, oh, but I love you all. You know, it's, and again, I, you know, I'm not bashing them, but I'm just telling you that's the mindset. And whereas Jesus, uh, when you follow and choose uh, to follow him, he cares about each person. I want to close and I want to look at getting closer to Jesus. 
See, one of the most valuable lessons in life to learn is the crowd doesn't always get it right. Sometimes they do, okay? But can I tell you, Jesus always gets it right. And it's very important in life to make a decision on whether or not you're going to follow Jesus. Out of all of the people that you may be following today, and you might say, well, I follow this person because I have this common interest. Or I follow this person because I have a, you know, a common, I have an agreement. Well, you know, a lot of crowds and, and these things today are felt by one common interest. But you know, Jesus wants you to follow him on every interest. Jesus doesn't want just one thing in common. Jesus, you know, a crowd says, well, if I have one thing in common with these people, I might have many differences, but I have one thing in common, so I'm a part of that crowd. Can I tell you, Jesus wants everything in common with you. He doesn't want just one little thing. He doesn't want just one little day. He doesn't want just whenever uh, you get around to it. No, Jesus uh, wants to be a part of your everyday life. See, again, crowds surrounded Jesus. But were they following Jesus because they loved him and they wanted to follow him? Or were they following him just because they were curious? Getting close to Jesus meant that you were spending a lot of time with him. And the crowd would simply follow Jesus when it was convenient. See, I made a decision in my life. I'm going to follow Christ even if it's not popular. (laughs) Can I tell you it's not always popular to follow Jesus? It's not always popular that when the crowd says, oh, this is okay, and that's okay, and you could do, you know, the crowd will get it wrong sometimes. The crowd will be off, and, you know, they, the, the, the persuasion or the motivation behind what they want, it could be off, it could be wrong, but something in our brain says, well, so many people are doing it, it must be okay. Luke 14, 25, And there went a great multitude with him, and he turned to them and said to them, If any man comes to me, and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and also his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That statement turned a lot of the people and the multitude off. What do you mean? Following Jesus means cost? Yes. That's why salvation is a personal relationship and it's not a crowd mentality. Because Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to make the right decisions in life, if you're going to be a man or a woman of God, a man or a woman of righteousness, if you're going to live clean and understand the importance of God's holiness in your life, it's not going to be because you're just simply following a crowd. It's because you have personal conviction. You have relationship with Jesus. See, we might be part of crowds, but you don't necessarily live among the crowd. You know, when the crowd goes away, you're left with yourself. This is what drives people crazy is because they'll be a part of crowds when they can, but then they have to go face themselves in the mirror alone. You know, the crowd doesn't follow you home. Crowd is not always there with you in your pain, in your the crowd's with you when times are good, the crowd's with you when your football team's winning and you're cheering and everything fine. But is the crowd with you when you're beat up by life? 
That's the difference between the crowd and Jesus is Jesus is with you in the good and the bad. Jesus will never forsake you. Jesus uh, is with you through the thick and the thin. I am a testimony. I stand before you tonight and tell you that not all my life and not every day of my life has been this great, joyous experience. But can I tell you, I can say with Christ, He has been with me through the good and the bad. Do you really see the crowd following people that live in the bad? Or is a crowd there and when... Things have gone wrong or gone astray in your life. When it's no longer cool, you know, it's very easy for the crowd to just turn. Uh, one day we're praising this, uh, and then they're boring, and the next day the crowd switches to this. And it just comes and shit from person to person. There's no loyalty. Uh, there's no genuine. It's just whatever the color of the day is, that's where the crowd goes. I want to encourage you tonight to draw near to Jesus because he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. He's committed to you to give your life to Jesus tonight is a decision to say, you know what, Jesus, I need you in my life. There's brokenness, there's pain, there's sin in my life that I can't do with on my own, but Jesus Christ can and did when he went to the cross for you and I. Let's bow our heads tonight.